0: cannot get on his particular hobby boards, but rather get a balanced diet of scripture. Now that being said, I am for the next two Sundays going to jettison the lectionary, and I'm going to do a two week teaching series on the Mass, on the Eucharist, to help us better understand what it is we do every With the concept of worship. There are many reasons why people come to Sunday worship. Some people get dragged by others. Some come out of guilt, some out of habit, some out of duty. Some come because they like the music. Some come to learn, some come to be encouraged, some come to see friends. There are many reasons why. Catholic tradition is participatory. That is, everyone takes part according to his order or according to her ability. In some churches, worship is sort of like a spectator sport, like a when 20 guys on the field, puffing and puffing, 20,000 stands to exercise. Our worship is not like that. We all ask you to do stuff. It's not Assembly is a participation. We call that the liturgy. It's a Greek word, it means work of the people. Worship is something that we do, not something that you or I watch. You have a goal. Everything we do on Sunday morning worship is intended to teach a life lesson on how we live. God in Now my role is called the scholar, who's the person who presides over the liturgy. And I thing. That is the reason, the first reason, the Church exists to worship God. And for eternity, we are going to worship Him. C.S. Lewis once said something, but he said lots of pleasure. But he said this. He said worshiping God in God's way, on God's day, is something you love to do. Don't like to worship God in His way on His day. When you get to heaven, it will be heaven. And that picture we have of heaven is a great celebration, a heavenly bank, a big party. And worship is meant to be that celebration. God's great and mighty acts, a celebration of the great things that God has done. It's not by accident that our Lord's first miracle came in of Galilee was a wedding celebration. And if I am celebrating, who is the host but Jesus? Our focus is on Him. And if you focus on the priest, you miss the point. then that's. Parade. And parades, as you know, come from the ancient military tradition. After the battle, the triumphant general would line up all of his soldiers and march to the city he just captured. And at the end of the parade, the procession, the triumphant general would come and have him, the defeated general, usually in chains. And the point was being made I'm the new ruler. This guy is now my slave, and Jesus calls all of us to be soldiers in His army. It's a wonderful prayer in the 1928 baptismal life, which unfortunately got left out in the 79. Year, the priest would pray that the newly baptized may manfully fight under Christ's banner and continue Christ's faithful soldier. Still life's end. Wonderful prayer. The difference, of course, is that Jesus is not the earthly king with spears and guns and missiles, rather he is the king of hearts. And his weapons are love, reconciliation and righteousness. But it is still a battle. And every time he comes The first part of the Mass we call the Liturgy of the Word, where we focus on the reading of Scripture. This has its roots in the synagogue service. And the Scripture readings are received by a collect, a prayer which collects together all of our prayers over the Mass, a different one appointed for every day of the year. And we don't make these prayers up. There's nothing wrong with extemporaneous personal prayer in our own personal prayer life, but when we gather together as the assembly, we engage in common prayer. And these are prayers that have been given to us. They are deeply biblical prayers, the best prayers of the church throughout the centuries. We get 2,000 years of people writing. Then we go to the readings. We have the first reading from the Old Testament. We stand on the shoulders of our elder brothers, the Jews, and we want the whole salvation history, so we read the Old Testament. I was a seminarian. Up in the 1928 prayer group, remember that there was an epistle and a gospel for every Sunday. There was no reading, but very rarely a reading from the Old Testament. And I said to the rector, I said, Well, Father, one of the good things about the lectionary is we get to hear from the Old Testament. And he said, Well, if you want to hear from the Old Testament, to go to the Presbyterian Church. <laughs> the Old Testament is important. And the Psalms. The Psalms are the symbol he King David's course. David, of course, lived a thousand years before Christ. And every range of human emotion, every raw feeling is there in the psalms. If you're depressed, you'll find someone who's going through the same thing that you are. If you're angry, if you're joyful, the psalms are a way to respond prayerfully and biblically the human condition. And when Jesus quotes scripture, he quotes the Old Testament. That was his scripture. The Torah, the prophets, the writings, including the Psalms. And we have a reading from one of the epistles. Letters written by the apostles to the primitive church, concerned with the practice and theology of the earliest Christians. And then, of course, third always from the gospel. And the gospel is the climax of scripture. It's the lens through which we read all of scripture. It is the words of the word Jesus. And that is why we stand when the gospel is heard. And we say glory be to you. Praise to you Lord Christ. They are addressed to Jesus as if he were present because he is. A uh, seminary professor used to say that most sermons are like long a point there, point there, and a lot of in between them. <laughs> the point of scripture is to uh, the point of the sermon is to apply the scripture to our lives, to take the word and to break it open, to conform us to the image of Christ, to give us truths that we can use. The purpose of change our lives so that we can be more like Jesus. You should pray for those who preach. It is an awesome responsibility to teach the Word of God. A good sermon always points to Jesus, always points to the cross. We cannot help ourselves. Christianity is not self-help praying and call it, without you we are not able to please you. And God always confounds those who trust in their own strength. We of ourselves do not have the power to do what God calls us to do. We call upon God. And a good sermon helps us to do that because God's power. ask or imagine. Finally consider this morning is the Creed. Written 1600 years ago at the first great ecumenical council of the church. And it begins with the words, we believe. That is, we ascribe to the faith of the church. It may not be our We all have moments where we are greater faith or lesser faith. But it is a participation in the ongoing life of the Church, an unbroken chain of belief. We believe. The creed defines the borders of orthodoxy, of right belief, and there is such a thing as right belief and wrong belief. And right belief brings life and wrong belief and we can always test what is said in the sermon against the creeds. You know, there are some groups that claim to be Christian, and the creed is a way to toss test their claims. Are Mormons Christians? Are Jehovah's Witnesses Christians? They talk about Jesus. But no. They cannot. Side of the creeds. So we say the creeds Sunday by Sunday by Sunday so that the faith of the church becomes our faith and it permeates us. And finally, we can stand without our.